And we had some problems, and my manager was telling me, you know, there's been some problems getting the food out, we're short-staffed. And I, I said, we'll get over that, but as long as we have the reputation that, they're, that we're the most friendly, that our staff will go out of the way. If you don't like something, you don't pay for it. If you're not happy, we're going to make it up. As long as we keep that reputation that we're going to make you happy eventually, call us, come back. You know, the other bugs are lying out. Welcome back to the podcast, Rockstars. Thanks for tuning in. I get to meet so many interesting people on this podcast, but imagine being in this business still after 50 plus years of starting and operating 26 restaurants and still working seven days a week because the customer is king and every customer in your restaurant is the most important customer. Well, these are just the basic philosophies of a man named Frank Guido, a legend in this business with, like I said, over 26 concepts. He's now still running four in his home state of New York. And we're going to talk all about what it's like and how gratifying it is during the pandemic to give back to all the frontline workers and to feed veterans for free and to deliver meals to police and fire stations and even tenants in need in his own neighborhoods, right? That's the noble side of Mr. Guido. We're going to talk all about the staff that are the foundation of the business. We're going to talk about what it's like serving celebrities like Frank Sinatra and Tony Bennett, Cindy Lauper, the cast of The Sopranos, and it goes on and on. And just the magic dust of running restaurants. There are so many key nuggets from Frank Guido in this episode. You're not going to want to miss it. So stay tuned. You're tuned in to the Restaurant Rockstars Podcast. Powerful ideas to rock your restaurant. Here's your host, Roger Bodwin. Rockstars, let me tell you about Seven Shifts. Seven Shifts is a modern labor management platform designed for restaurateurs, by restaurateurs. Effective labor management is more important than ever to maximize profit and success, especially now as restaurants begin to reopen and expand their teams. Trusted by over half a million restaurant professionals, Seven Shifts gives you the tools you need to simplify scheduling, easily manage time and attendance, communicate with your team, and retain your talent. Best of all, Seven Shifts integrates with the POS and payroll systems you already use and trust, turning your team into a competitive advantage to your business. Right now, Restaurant Rockstar's listeners can get three months absolutely free. Get started now at sevenshifts.com forward slash restaurant rockstars. That's the number seven, S-H-I-F-T-S dot com forward slash restaurant rockstars to get three months of industry leading labor management for free. Now on with the episode. Welcome back, everyone, to the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. I have with me today an illustrious restaurateur. And if anyone embodies the word passion for the business of hospitality, it's Mr. Frank Guido. And Frank has been in this business 50 years, and he started over 20 concepts, and he's continuing to run multiple concepts today. This podcast is all about passion for this business, reigniting your fire. And I think you're going to get it from Frank today. So welcome to the show, Frank. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me, Roger. Pleasure. 
the pleasure is all ours. I mean, I love talking shop with operators, and I'm sure you've got so many stories to tell, but we always start with the backstory of my guest. And again, you've been in this business a long, long time. You've started multiple concepts. Please take us from the beginning and give us your career highlights that led you to present day. Well, I'll start all the way back. When I was a child, my uncle Chucky and Aunt Tessie had a little tavern, a little bar, and I was eight or nine years old, and I was fascinated to go up there. He had such a cast of characters that hung out there. Beers were 10 cents, and he was selling hamburgers for 25 cents, spaghetti and meatballs for 60 cents. And I used to go up there and sit in this tavern and listen to all the old timers tell all the stories. I'm from a little Italian enclave uh, up here in Kingston, New York, there was an area, East Kingston. My dad, who had 14 brothers and sisters, him and his brothers all worked on the brickyards. And we were from this little village of East Kingston. Everyone was Italian. It was like one big family. And uh, we grew up, and I grew up in the tavern business. Then my Uncle Ernie had another uh, restaurant called Frank's Pizza. And when I was 13, I went to work for him, washing dishes. Then I made pizzas. And when I was 18, I tended bar, uh, worked my way through college, tending bar and waiting on tables and cooking. Went to Marist College, graduated. Then I went to Albany State for an accounting uh, degree. And uh, I graduated from Albany State. And that year, my Uncle Ernie came to me and said there was uh, – a tavern that burned down by Ulster County Community College. They were building Ulster County Community College. And uh, he said, it's a great opportunity. We went in partners. And I remember my mom and dad, they were so disappointed. Neither one of them ever finished fifth grade. And they were so proud that I was the first one in the Guido family that graduated college. And they wanted me to be a lawyer or CPA. And here I'm going into the bar business. Uh, they're both gone now, but I'm sure I made them proud like in the long run. And I'm sure even though they were disappointed in the beginning. But anyway, I opened up my first bar out by Ulster County uh, Community College in 1968. That's 53 years ago. And it was very successful. I was 21 years old. I was the youngest person in the bar business. And uh, they were building the college at the time. I had a relationship with all the college students because I was almost their age. And uh, the construction workers, most of them were bricklayers. They were Italian. So they knew me. They knew my dad. And it was a very, very successful venture. And I really fell in love with it. Uh, from then, I opened up my first restaurant. It was called the Casadina. If my daughter was just born, that was 1970, and I named it after her. And that was the first real restaurant. And um, back then, I was still only young, and I, there, there was a concept just kicking in the oldies and goodies. And uh, I opened up a club there, and I had Chubby Checker, Bo Diddley, the Five Satins, the Shirelles, and... Uh, very successful club. And, and then you could still drink at 18 years old. And uh, so I got to know the bar business and I opened up a few other clubs at that time. 
and uh, bounced around, opening up some restaurants. Then I had such an opportunity in 1981. Mariner's Harbor was in Highland, New York, across from uh, Marist College, in fact. And uh, it was a beautiful waterfront restaurant. And the gentleman who owned the property, there was a fire there. And he approached me. He had been to some of my restaurants. And he was very impressed the way that I ran my restaurants, the way we treated our customers and our staff. And he offered me the opportunity to go in there and take it over. And uh, 1981, I went down there and Mariners became one of the most successful restaurants in the whole country. We were in Restaurant Magazine. I think we were the 323rd largest restaurant in the whole country. Uh, back then, we were doing a thousand covers on, on the weekend. Frank Sinatra, Tony Bennett, Cindy Lauper. We had so many people that came there. Uh, I got to be very good friends with Phil Rizzuto. He became our spokesman. Through him, I met George Steinbrenner and uh, Stick Michael. They became personal friends. Most of the Yankees back in the 89, 80s and 90s used to come up. In fact, eventually, Stick Michael, Gene Michael's son, who went to Marist College, Marist College keeps coming up. Yeah, of course. But uh, his son was a good ball player also a bartender. So I hired his son and we opened up a restaurant, which I still have today called Port of Call in Catskills. Uh, we were so people from Albany, from New York City. Uh, Floyd Patterson was there every week. Uh, Earl of Pearl Monroe from the Knicks was there almost every week. So people would come down and always meet celebrities and they would be friends of mine. So they would sit and drink with them and uh, very, very successful. Uh, then I moved on and, uh, right now we have four restaurants. Uh, my cousin, we moved Mariner's Harbor mm -hmm. to Kingston and my cousin Sal operates that, uh, it's on, uh, uh, it's on the Rondau Creek, uh, Kingston waterfront and still going strong. And my son, Mark does a great job. He runs the North, uh, up on North front street, the front street tavern. It's the most modern, the most up-to-date. Uh, I'm, I'm really old school. Uh, if you come uh, to my restaurants, to Little Italy, it's recipe. In fact, we advertise this. It's recipes 100 years, years old. It's my grandmother's red sauce. We used to call it gravy when we were down. Yes, at yes, that's, that's right. I've heard that term. Back <laughs> right. in the if day. it's made with me, and, here, and here's what it is. If it's made with me, like like my grandmother used to simmer it with sausage and chicken bones and pork and uh, maybe a little beef if they could afford it. And that's called gravy. Marinara, the meatless, is the sauce. That's called sauce. So that was what I, okay. my understanding of the difference between gravy and the sauce. But anyway, here you get the traditional chicken parmesan, uh, lasagnas, items like that. Veal, I'm sure, right? You got veal oh, pump. Veal, oh, the best. Veal, <laughs> oh, salt, mocha, marsala. Yes. And port of call, we have the traditional seafood. You get a nice live lobster right out of the tank, the steak, uh, raw bar, items like that. But my son Mark is running the, the more modern restaurant, the more eclectic. Kingston now is booming. Uh, there's a lot of people from the city, especially Brooklyn, 
coming up to the Hudson Valley area with different tastes and different needs and different wants. And I'm too old. I'm 75 years old. I'm not going to change. So my customers are getting older and dying off. And Mark will eventually be taking over all of the restaurants. He's he's more up with the specials and the different tastes. So, you know, I've been very fortunate uh, being in the same area for 70 years. We have such a wonderful following. Uh, you know, we were friends with all the mayors and everyone. And I'm on four and five generations. There's actually customers that come in here that'll say, well, you were friends with my grand. No, I was friends with your great grandfather. In fact, my son is sitting, sitting here. And I talk about this story all the time. There was a gentleman, Frank Morelli, and they called them peach pie. Everyone from my area, they had a nickname, Italian people. So he was peach pie. So his daughter, Sue Aiello brought him in for his 102nd birthday. This was last year, Mark, or two years ago. So I was talking to him, and I said, Peachy, I remember playing cards. There was an Italian game called Brisk and Boss, and I played cards with his father. So my son, Peachy's 102, and you played cards with his father. Yes, I did. When I was 15 and 16 in my uncle's tavern, his father, who was Louis. Louis Morel used to come in and we used to play cards. So that's how far I go back. Now I'm on Peachy's great-grandson. So it's four generations, five generations. I'm very proud of that, that, uh, you know, we do a lot for the community, the veterans, every, uh, you know, Veterans uh, Day is coming up and we feed the veterans free of charge. The year before last, 2019, we fed like 600 veterans uh last year because of the pandemic we did dinners to go but they're so appreciative the congress oh, for sure come, the chief you know everyone comes to thank the veterans it's such an honor um police so, and fire i understand as well and first responders i mean you've been very generous in giving back in your communities well we've been very fortunate and, and uh, very lucky and uh so so we try to give back as much as we can and it's an honor to do it let me ask you, Frank, how much time do you spend each week in the different restaurants? I mean, you're still you know, very hands-on, I can tell. Well, uh, I'm, I'm not the man that I was, but I work seven days. Uh, in the summer, I normally go to the port of call mornings. I'm there by 8 or 8.30. Mm -hmm. I usually leave there by 1 or 2 and come down a little early. I, Front Street, I don't worry about it all. My son is there. Sure. Like, sure. uh Today, we, you know, we're having some, I'm sure you're aware of it. We're having some problems, some health problems. And the whole country ELP, is having labor we can't problems. Get staff. So yes. uh, I just had a cook's meeting. There was a gentleman, which I don't understand. He's been in this country for 20 years. His wife is an American citizen. He has three children born in this country. He's worked for me for five or six years. And he went to Mexico to get his green card. They kept him there from May. He just came back this Saturday, did everything legal, wow. been here over 20 years, spent thousands and thousands of dollars. And, you know, and he's finally back doing everything legally. But anyway, 
he's back. So we, so we just had a staff meeting and, uh, Mark was here and we got the managers talking about where we're going forward. Our hour, like we're not able to serve lunch. We can't staff the restaurant. I was going to ask you that. After being in business for 53 years, you can't staff to serve. It's unbelievable. It's It's unbelievable. It It really is. This has never happened before in the history of never happened and never will again, I hope. But also, like, you know, Mark and I were just talking. I don't know how it is up there in Maine, Rod, but it's starting to get a little scarier down here, uh, like with this variant here. With it's COVID. heating up again here as well. I think yeah, uh, a lot of people are running scared about the new variant. Yeah, like there's, you know, like we we have a very nice party room, and the other day I happened to be in the office, and I have a manager. She's been with me for thirty five years, and I told her the other day if uh, she ever leaves, I know my son will. Uh, I, I don't know what he'll do, but we really need her. But Two different parties canceled. One was a 50th anniversary and one was like a 75th birthday. And older people are very nervous. Yes, they are. So Mark was just recommended that we got to think again of like for a while we were de-emphasizing the takeout. You know, now we have to think about it again Mm -hmm. to start promoting takeout because I think it's going to start affecting in-house business. You know, there's so many things to think about and worry about, uh, prices, uh, you know, for a month we couldn't get Kalamati for a month. We couldn't get pineapple. It's, you know, crazy. And then the prices have gone up 30, 40%. You really can't pass that on to all of your, you know, to, to the uh, customers. You can't right, do right. that. So Costs you have are to swallow it and try to find other ways to cut. So it's a tough business, but, you know, but we'll survive. Like we've been here a long time. We, again, we try to support everyone in the community. We have a good relationship with the other restaurants. We talk back and forth how we can help each other and uh, it'll be fine in a long run. So. so you must have, I mean, you're there still very, very often at the restaurants and you have so many friends from over the years and so many regulars that must just come in just to see you. And it's been their tradition for probably decades. And you're just there shaking hands and making everyone feel like they're the most important person in the place. I'm sure I can, I get that from speaking with you. <laughs> Not as much as I should any longer. And that's what Mark and I are talking about. You know, at 75 years old, it's hard. I'm up, you know, seven yeah. days a week. I do have right. a family. I want to spend time with my grandchildren. Uh, I'm really not as here as much as I would like to be, but we are so fortunate. Mm-hmm. Mark has two wonderful managers. I have two managers here and I have a server that's been with us for 30 years, Marie. And oh. almost all the people I know, they know. In fact, it's funny. There was just, an, you know, this is not funny, but a lot of our business in Little Italy is after funeral gatherings. Uh, it's I part love of the culture. Be, yeah, it's the thing to I do. Love, right, especially Italian. But yeah. that's a scary thing because they're my friends and they're mm. my customers. Yes. Uh, I love to do rehearsal dinners. I love to do showers. I love to do that. Who I haven't seen probably in 30 years. He's down in South Carolina comes up and you know we greeted them and i left i met the family gave you know gave all my condolences and went home then i opened up facebook today and he writes in there there's nothing like the guido restaurants uh he broke his something happened with a show or something 
And he said, you know, they went to, they went out, they bought a special glue, they fixed my shoe. No other hospitality group would do that except the Guidos. And you want to see all of the people that commented the experiences that we had. And that was Marie, who's my manager. She went out and bought what, what's it called? My gorilla glue or something. She yeah. she actually yeah. strongest glue on earth, they the, call it. But yeah, things like that that you go on. But I have a wonderful staff and and when I'm not here, my people act the same way that I do. You know, they know that we need the guests. You know, I never, I always thank the guests for coming. So even if I'm home, I'm really looking at Facebook to see who's at my restaurant or the comments and anybody that's at my restaurant having a birthday or having dinner, they comment. I immediately thank them for choosing us because that's how I feel. I, I really appreciate the people that come and see us and over the years that have supported us. It's an honor. It's well, you know, I've always, when I ran restaurants, it was all about having a culture of hospitality, family, and fun, where it's all about hospitality. That's the foundation of our business. And you want your staff to feel like family. You want your customers, your guests to feel like family, and you want everyone to have fun. And it sounds to me that is the culture of your restaurant. Over the years, Frank, you must have had hundreds of employees, and some have lasted a long, long time, have longevity, and some not so much. But there has to be a common thread of your training philosophy and when you onboard people, how you indoctrinate them into the culture of what a Guido restaurant is all about and what your expectations are. Let's let's talk about some of that. You know, what are your training philosophies and and you know, just working with staff when they're brand new and getting them to treat the customer as the most important guest in the place? Well, first of all, it's probably thousands. Oh, I'm sure. Thousands. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Thousands. It's an honor when I get comment. you know, I'll meet someone and, uh, you know, and how we treat people. I was just in a friend of mine opened up uh, a restaurant recently and I went over to wish him luck. I sat at the bar and everyone was wearing masks. This was a couple of months ago. I had a mask on also when I got that, I took it off. So the bartender, I get talking to the bartender and she says, uh, you know, I came for a job down at Mariners when I was younger and you didn't hire me. And uh, geez, I'm sorry. Again, I, 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 I don't remember you or, but I'm sorry. I know the job you're doing now. I'm sorry. I didn't, but she said, you know, we were so impressed. My dad and I, you sent a letter, you took the time to sit down with me. You offered me coffee. You treated me with respect. She said I was only 18 years old. I was there to be a, either a bus or a, or a server. You sent a letter, told me how you were impressed with me, and you would keep my letter on file. And if anything came up, and she said that even though you didn't hire me, this, this girl Zoe, she said I would I appreciated that so much. But that's how we treat people. If a, uh, the garbage man, the delivery guy, we offer him a cup of coffee, sit in, we treat them with respect. And that's what we try to do with everyone we hire. At this meeting today, we, we really had a cook that sort of, not on purpose, but the food went down a little bit. And we had some problems. And my manager was telling me, you know, there's been some problems getting the food out. We're short-staffed. And I, I said, we'll get over that. But as long as we have the reputation that they're that we're the most friendly, that our staff will go out of the way. If you don't like something, you don't pay for it. 
If you're not happy, we're going to make it up. As long as we keep that reputation that we're going to make you happy eventually, call us, come back. You know, the other bugs are lying out. You're going to have problems with the food, but don't ever let me hear about the service, about attitude. That's that's what we hire. We hire attitude. That yes. the customer is the most important thing and always will be. That's exactly the philosophy we had. You know, we can train for experience, but you can't train for attitude and approach to the job and to, you know, to have that hospitality approach to, to, um, you know, to the, to the guests, that's the most important thing. You know, I'm sure you can tell us lots of stories, but this is a business, Frank, I don't need to tell you this, but this is a business that requires no formal education. You can start out as a dishwasher and end up owning a chain of restaurants, you know, just working hard, learning as much as you can. And I've, I'm, pretty sure that your your business has nurtured lots and lots of people that have gone on to pretty amazing things in their careers, simply what they learned at, at Guido's, right? At, at your different concepts. Oh, we have so many people that went on to open up their other restaurants. We have people that are executive chefs in large hotels, uh, doctors, Cairo. No, there's, there's so many. And, and I am very proud. The head of the... Right. Head of the Chamber of Commerce, uh, Ulster County Chamber of Commerce. His daughter, uh, they have a, uh, two or three delis uh, in Long Island. And he tells me all the time how much she learned from me and the work ethic and the dedication and how to treat the customers. No, it's, it's, a, it's an honor, you know, when you see someone succeed that worked for you. I, I never, I, I always, you know, people that have left here to go on to better things. We, we don't begrudge them that we want them to be successful. And it, it makes us feel very well. My son is sitting right alongside of me and without him, we couldn't be doing this, but uh, he feels the same way. And um, a lot of people have gone on to bigger and better things. And I'm very proud that we were part of that, that they learned and they learned about trying to do the right thing. That's a lasting legacy. And you can certainly be very proud of that. That is just awesome. You've made such an impact on so many people's lives, both at, you know, as, as a staff person and as a customer or a guest. You know, you've impacted people in a positive way for 50 plus years. I mean, that's amazing. We failed a couple of times, but, well, I but mean, overall, human error. overall, overall uh, you know, we really are very proud of what we do, what we've accomplished. And hopefully it stays in the family and goes forward. And, uh, as I say, my mom and dad were disappointed in the beginning. They worked their rear ends off to send me to college, but I'm sure they're looking down and they're proud of what we accomplished. I'm certain that, you know, I'm sure they can smell the cooking up in heaven too, right? <laughs> she told me my mom was better than I am. I'll tell you that. I wish I could duplicate some of those dishes, but uh, we try. Have you ever gotten in the kitchen to do any cooking yourself? Oh, I did. Oh, 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 yeah. In the beginning. Yeah, that's where I started making yeah. pizzas. And then uh -huh. yep. and then down at Mariner's, I was on the line. And that's where you got the respect also from the staff. Uh, we we would, we uh, back in the 80s, we had, it was called the lobster bake. We still have it at the Port of Call. You got a whole lobster, shrimp, clams, mussels, corn on the cob, baked potato, and toss, toss salad. I can, I've sold 500,000 yeah. of them. But I was on the line. I'd open up three or four, three or four bushels of clams. And I, you know, I worked with the guys and I didn't say, get me this and get me that. If I needed a bushel of clams, I walked to the cooler and got it. 
if I had to kill a lobster and clean a lobster, I did it. I was on the line a long time. Then I realized uh, there's probably people better than me on the line, but also I should be out front, like you say, Roger, like your philosophy, talking to the people, meeting the people. People want to see the owner. People want to be recognized. People yes, want do. to feel uh, that they're noticed and wanted. So I found it better to be out front. Absolutely. Now I can totally see that. You know, we talked a lot about your approach to the business and about hospitality and about service and about treating people, but I've always believed this is the business of a thousand details. And that's just one of the details. You know, you've got so many balls to keep in the air. You got to concern yourself with food and beverage quality. You've got to concern yourself with, you know, being a human relations expert, a marketer, a finance person. I mean, there's a lot of things to do. Did you have your hand in all those things over the years? You know, it's really the hardest business in the world. I, I believe think. it Especially is. Especially like the seasonal. Like you told me you were on the water. Uh, I was at a ski resort, actually. Yeah. Well, again, the same thing. It was like seasonal. Now, mm -hmm. Yeah. Like the port of call, but also not only seasonal, but daily, like on a good Saturday, we'll do 400 covers. So I have to order. I have to prep. I have to staff for 400. Of if it rains that day, we'll do 80 covers. Imagine prepping for 400 people and doing 80. And every night what I do, I do a list important that has to be done secondary, and then it could be done later. And almost every day it'll change because an emergency will come up. The Unexpected. fire alarm will go off. Yep. The freezer will break. Somebody doesn't show up. A delivery doesn't come. So no matter how much you plan, you're always working, you know, you're, you know, you're working against the odds every time. And right. There's so many different things that you have to think about and do And also like going in and, uh, you know, the cleanliness and, uh, you're looking at tables wobbling or uh, is it windy? Is right. that, I mean, there's right. so many different things you have to worry about. Those are the details. You're right. <laughs> and Detail. you know, you, you you have so many staff in all these restaurants too. I mean, one of the keys of our success was obviously training everyone to open their eyes and to notice things and fix them before the guests saw them, you know? So if I had 55 employees in my biggest restaurant, everyone walks through the front door, they got two eyes, you notice the windows are dirty, the light bulbs are burned out, the tables wobble, you know, the condiments are dirty. I mean, there's a million details, but it certainly helps to have a staff that you can trust to have your back. And if you train them to notice these things, and reward them for fixing these things. You know, that's that was one of the secrets of my success. Yeah, you know, Roger, like it's very, very you're, you're, you're right. What I learned to would do, like if I walked into the restaurant and say there was a store on the floor or there was something mm -hmm. wrong, yeah, I made sure they watched me do it. So yeah, instead yeah. of me saying to the busboy or the waitress, there's a you know, I would sort of make sure they saw me and geez, if the boss can do that, if he noticed it, yes. I should be. So again, yes. and that's what I did all my life. Instead of telling people to do things, let them watch me do it. If there was a dirty tray, I would pick up the tray and bring it in the back. So let them see you doing it. And yeah. And you're not works. too important it to works. pick up a no. piece of paper no. or a cigarette spot in the parking lot. I mean, that's called leading not. by example. I mean, thank you lead by example. We did thank the you. very same thing. 
And, you know, I love that we're talking about this because there's a lot of operators out there. There's a lot of managers out there that delegate. Anybody can tell somebody what to do. It's a rare person, a manager or an owner who empowers people and gives them the reason behind something, isn't too important to do the work themselves, demonstrates that, and then literally, you know, gives people the you know, the opportunity to succeed and fail. You use your good judgment and literally that's, that's a manager builder in my experience. I mean, I, I've built so many you managers. Want a job, Roger, you, want to, you want to come and help us out? I could jump right in Frank in a number <laughs> I know of places. You could. I know you could, uh, you know, yeah. really like everything you're saying is hitting the nail right on the head. Uh, I mean, like how you manage and what you do and lead by example and they're, that's that's what you have to do, and your and your staff is going to follow your lead. They will. They're going to how you treat your customers. Uh, are you prompt? Are you late? How do you keep the cleanliness up? So uh, they'll follow you, not what you say, but what you do. That's very important. Very well, everyone. Very you know, everyone works for a paycheck, of course, but people really respond to positive praise to know that they're making a difference in your organization, that you notice what they're doing, that they have a voice and that you listen to them and that they're recognized for going above and beyond and, you know, achieving and being really productive in your organization. So I think that's another key point that, uh, you know, some operators are really strong at that and some not. And now is the most important time of all when we're all struggling with a labor shortage. You got to keep your good people happy and you got to recruit and go to your good people and say, who do you know that, you know, might not be happy in their current job and may not be treated the way we treat people. And I had a lot of success, you know, recruiting and giving incentives for people, bringing other people in. I'm sure you're dealing with a lot of that right now yourself. Well, well maybe off the air you can get, because it's never been this difficult. It really it has never yeah. been. Uh, I've never seen anything like it, uh, trying to recruit people. And, mm -hmm. you know, the people that are really good and really happy should be staying where they are. I wish the place is luck, but there's so many people out there that just don't want to work. They feel entitled. Yes. Like, I, like we, we, we always, like, I remember when I was That's 13, 14, I had a summer job. I cut lawn. This year, there were very few college or high school students that actually came looking for summer work. And up in the Port of Call, we are only open six months. And in the summer, 50% of our staff was like teachers or students and this year i don't know what happened if they feel entitled if they were afraid of the covid maybe but we had very very few people looking for summer jobs i i don't know what the problem is yeah it's almost like hundreds of thousands of people have just disappeared off the work rolls in this country you know and some say it's the extra unemployment that they've been making and you know they're making more money staying home than working sitting on the couch watching netflix it's like we've heard it all and it's like there really is a problem and it's not just restaurants Restaurants seem to be the hardest hit, but it's every industry. Every in, every industry, everyone you talk to. I was at CVS, and they had a sign up oh, yeah. that the pharmacy had li had limited oh, wow. hours because they Seriously. couldn't get pharmacists. I mean, that's scary. Uh, one of my main, one of my major suppliers. I always get a delivery on Tuesday. They called me with all the fresh seafood. They go to Boston every night. And they called me the day after Labor Day. There was no delivery. They could not get a driver. Can you imagine that? You know, so we had, had that problem here too. Crazy. How? I mean, trucks, anything. 
Well, we, yeah, one of our major suppliers, and it's one of the biggest suppliers in the country. And literally, our salesman was, you know, in the warehouse loading trucks and, and picking, you know, items. And there were delivery delays and all that sort of thing. I think we've all seen that no matter where our restaurants are the shortages of product, the rising prices. I mean, it all started with this crazy pandemic where suddenly your dining room is shut down due to government order. And now you got to instantly pivot to takeout and curbside pickup and delivery and all that. We get past that. The dining rooms reopen. And now restaurants have to shut down on busy days because they can't staff the restaurant. Can't get stiff. Also, you know? too, the other problems from your suppliers, my customers don't want to hear that. My customers that want Oysters don't want to hear I couldn't get a delivery to uh, no. my they don't understand that I had to raise the price of chicken wings don't want to hear chicken wings doubled you know so so we have to take the brunt of it you know every everyone else's problems we have to deal with the final customer because because he doesn't want to hear about our suppliers and our problems he wants to hear about about his meals but well, they have high yeah, expectations really. and rightly so. And, you know, and, and I think, rightly, thank you. And rightly so. Thank and, you. Rightly and we so. have to do our best to serve the customer. But when we can't, I believe we have to communicate with them and let them know that we are doing our best and that we so appreciate their business during these most challenging times and explain to them exactly what's happening so that they don't get the wrong idea. Because, yeah, there's a lot of customers or, or guests going to restaurants that aren't getting the service that they have come to expect. You know, short staff, you can tell when you go into a restaurant and the staff isn't, oh, yeah. you know, what it should be and things get delayed and things aren't coming off the line on time and people are forgetting pieces of the order because one server is handling like, you know, 10 tables in a section. I mean, I've seen it. We've all seen it. It's about communication, well, I guess. Well, that's what we try to avoid, Roger. Like, in yeah. other words. Yeah. Tell I us about that. Like on a Saturday night, normally I have yep. eight servers or 10 servers. Mm -hmm. The stations are normally four to six tables. Right. You know, you're more to your quicker ones. Have six. I have servers. I can't serve the same amount of people. And we are aware of that in the beginning of the night. I'll give coin. I have coins for a drink, a complimentary drink. Good at all of our restaurants. So rather than disappoint people or have them wait two hours, we'll be honest with them. Sir, I'm sorry. We only have four servers tonight. I don't think we can do the job that you're accustomed to. Yes. Here's a, here's a, here's four chips for the four of you. Go, you know, come back to our restaurant another time. But I will not give a server ten tables because I'd rather disappoint the customer by not serving them than to give them terrible service. Absolutely. Same way if we're short, like in the kitchen. You know, we 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 know that we can't. If I have eight servers and only three guys cooking that night, I have to limit it. I can't overwhelm the kitchen. Like here at Little Italy, we'll make choices. Here we take reservations, we have parties, and we do takeouts, and we have walk-ins. So at the beginning of the night, I only have four servers. I only have five servers. I'm short one guy. Well, let's think. We're not going to do takeouts. So that's that's the call. So when people call, I'm sorry tonight we can't do takeouts. You know, please next time ask for me, we'll make it up to you. But Thank rather you. than not do the takeout satisfactory to mess up the party to screw up the reservations, I'd rather eliminate one, like you say, explaining to them we can't do it properly tonight. So one of our 
I'll see other places. I have a friend in the business. If he has two servers, he'll give them 30 tables each. He doesn't want to lose any business. But our philosophy is let's do less, but do it correctly. We always thought that. And hopefully people understand. Like they'll come in, well, I see an empty table. I see, but sir, I don't have a server to wait on you there. The table is empty, but it's tough. And, you know, people... Some of them understand, some don't, but, you know, but we do our best. And like you say, Rob, we try to communicate, we try to explain. And uh, most people understand today, especially like with COVID, they understand the situation. They know there's shortages. They know there's staff shortages. Most people are understanding. Most people are good people. Now, what are the restrictions like in New York? Has everything come back to normal? Are you still limited on tables? Like where, where are things at in your restaurants? Well, my son is where he's been following New York city. Now you have to be vaccinated, right? Mark, the city is different than us upstate. Okay. Uh, they're starting right now. There are no restrictions, except if you're not vaccinated, you should have a mask on. Mm -hmm. As far as I know, there's no other restrictions right now. I don't know what's going to happen if it gets worse, but in the restaurant industry, there are no restrictions except you should wear a mask if you're not vaccinated. Now, you did a lot in the beginning. I guess you installed certain filters in the restaurants. You made safety a top priority, safety and sanitation. You had outdoor dining with heated tents. Like You really moved quickly when all this happened. Right away. What were the, what were the filters that you ordered? I'm talking to my you son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. HEPA filters. We yeah, got the HEPA them filters. right away. He got them online right away. We immediately did the mask. And we had gloves and sanitizer. We wiped everything down. Lights. UV lights we got. We put the tables six feet apart. Uh, tables, we wouldn't do one table more than 10. And uh, it worked. We didn't have a lot of problems. What was that? Eating at the bar. Eat at the bar. Yeah, at the bar, right. You couldn't just come in the bar and drink. Mm -hmm. We only, like, we put the stools three foot of, apart and you had to eat. We didn't want you to hang around. We didn't do any entertainment no happy hours like that and it was very successful it was very successful you know we didn't as far as i know there were no incidents no one got sick none of our employees uh so it worked and whatever the rules and regulations are we're going to follow so we're keeping an eye on it my son is always checking with the board of health and uh seeing what we have to do hopefully it gets better hopefully things will get better and there won't be any more restrictions hopefully now you were doing do-it-yourself pizza kits for people at home right was that popular it really well well first of all of course we were giving them away so so if you ordered anything fifty dollars or more we gave you a pizza kit you okay got the pizza bar you got the dough you got the sauce you got nice the cheese, that's fun even the flour to to uh to put on the table really with. yeah yeah but <laughs> the uh, little yeah, touches it was, it was good and people and people loved it yeah. and then uh uh then we started selling it for five dollars it was just broken but people people enjoyed it and we still do that yeah but you know you always try to give people a little more than they expect that's also our goal give people something like for instance we've been doing for 35 years you get a free birthday if it's your birthday that day you get your meal up to $25 value. Besides that, we give you the dessert on us. We 
sir, you know, we sing, we, you know, we try to get as many servers as possible. Right. right. A little more than they expect. Mm -hmm. We've, we've always tried to do that. Now I understand. Was it Mariners Harbor that's flooded a couple of times and you had millions of dollars? It was Port of Call that flooded. Yeah. Port of Call uh, 11 was Irene 2011. We lost the building completely. You did. Completely knocked it all down. Yeah. Very next year was Sandy and we had major, major damage. Um, so it was very, very tough. And then we got flooded again, Christmas day, believe it or not last year. Uh, it wasn't that bad because we were closed. So there was no product loss and we didn't lose any, you know, any business cause we were closed. Sure. That was, but it was still, yeah. uh, still a pain in that clean, but it's a hardship and you had to yeah, rebuild hardship. the business, right? You uh, get an insurance claim. It may or may not have paid you what the property was worth. Uh, and now FEMA, you got no FEMA doesn't pay. FEMA has a very limit on build. It was, uh, we yeah. cost us three times as much as we got from the insurance. That's but, what I thought you were going to say. Community, the community stepped up. We got loans from the bank. Uh, we got some grants from green County. And uh, we got through it and we're bigger and better than ever. Wow. You've overcome quite a bit. And I can't imagine you've seen it all in this business. And there's so much. Ben Nair done that. I well, let's talk book. about that next. Send, I'm going to send you a copy of the book. Ben oh, Nair I wish that. you would. Let's talk about the book, Frank. Tell us all about yeah. what the book is about and when you launched the book. And Well, uh, several years ago, a few people in the business and also in advertising said I should write. Mm-hmm. A cookbook. A lot of a, a lot of people in restaurant they write cookbooks. Sure. And then uh, another friend of mine owned uh, wrote a uh, bartending book, a recipe. And I, geez, I, how many cookbooks? <laughs> I mean, it's spaghetti and meatballs. How many? Yeah, hundreds of thousands of cookbooks. Like a steak, a live lobster. You know, I'm not going to write a cook. But then I said, wait a minute, I've been doing this. For 65 years, I've been going in my uncle's bar and I've worked and I opened up 26 restaurants and I met, I was friends with Phil Rizzuto and Earl of Pearl and I, I, Robert De Niro, I was friends with his wife and Earl of, you know, so. Right, right. Uh, I, you know, I said, I said, I might as well write a book. So I did. It was very successful. Uh, Barnes and Noble in Kingston said it was the number one seller of any local authors and it was just down to earth. It was, it really wasn't about me. It was about the people that I met and the characters that I met. And it really wasn't about me. It was about the wonderful community that we live in and the people I was fortunate to meet and the people that I learned from. And there's a chapter, like you mentioned, there's a chapter in there about people that worked for me that moved on. Um, I forgot this Richard Mart, Judge, Judge Mott worked for me in my first bar and now he's a Supreme court justice. That's awesome. Fantastic. He's in the book. He worked for me when he was 18 years old at Ulster community college. He was a student and other people that have restaurants now, successful restaurants. So, and it's about my family. Uh, I'm very fortunate. My, my wife's family and my family that helped me when I was younger and so proud to be born into the family that I will. My dad had 15 brothers. And in fact, today, yeah. uh, there's a, there's a picture that the veteran, I just hung it up in the port of call today. It was on the street here in Kingston where they honored the veteran. And there's five brothers served in world war two at the same time, my dad and four of his brothers. 
and the veterans gave me that. They, uh, they're putting up a brand new one. And I put it up in the wall in the restaurant and wrote a little bit about them. That's a beautiful so, uh, tribute. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, I was very, very fortunate. And uh, I'll send you a copy of the book. Hopefully you find it interesting. Oh, Hopefully I absolutely will. Hopefully it sounds you come down here someday. And, uh, Thank you. I'd love to meet you face in person. Yeah. That'd be wonderful. Do you have any plans to retire? You're just going to work and keep on going. I mean, it's such a part of keep your life. It's going. in your blood, You're just, right? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, really. Like, what do I do? You know, I mean, I've been doing this all my life. It's, right. you know, I'm proud of my son. I'm proud of my cousin. I'm proud of the staff. And I'm proud of the restaurants. Uh, uh, my son showed me how to do Facebook last year because I never, you know, this podcast that we're on, I would have never been able to do this. But uh, and I go on Facebook at night when I go home, I'll watch the Yankees and then I'll go on Facebook and I'm so proud when I see people in the restaurant making comments and, you know, I'm at Frank Guido's or I'm at front uh -huh. street. Oh yes. The, the food is delicious. And I answer every one of them and I thank them for coming. And, uh, I don't know what else I would do, but, uh, you know, just so proud to be in this industry to have fed and to hopefully made, there's so many occasions from weddings and banquets now unfortunately after funeral gathering we do so many of them uh but you know we 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 get letters from the family of how uh thankful they are the, the way they were treated and it was just like being home uh and it's not the money it's not you know it's just uh, and, and you know the success and that's what i try to tell people that work for me it you know, you got to have the passion. And when someone comes here, like uh, I had a partner years ago that said to me, we, you know, there were some problems with the food. And he said, this is not a perfect industry. So if 10 dinners come back out of 400, big deal. But my philosophy has always been those 10 dinners could be my dinner or my son's. Like, People that don't have a lot of money that come Mother's Day that might save up. You're absolutely right. Their mother's 80 years old. It mm -hmm. might be your last Mother's Day. We don't have the right to disappoint them. So, you know, I don't want to hear, well, it's only one dinner or not. No, the, you know, it Everyone could counts. be your family. It could be your mother yeah. or your brother. Right. So right. That's, that's how we look at it, to please everyone. And sometimes we fail, but to do something about it. Yeah, you make it right for the, for the guests. Thank Absolutely. you. You make it right. And that's what I try to teach them, too. Don't wait for people to complain. If you quote somebody 20 minutes wait and it's 25, don't wait for them to come to you. You that. go to them. If you know people are waiting a long time for their food, don't wait for them to ask you. You go find out when it's going to be and get to them and tell them what you're going to do about it. So it's don't hide from problems. Meet them, face them, and let people know what you're going to do about it. And that's another reason that we're successful. Absolutely. I've been to restaurants that I've waited and you know, the server is hiding because he don't want to come to my table until the food's ready or yeah. what, whatever. No, no. We want you to go out there and bring the manager with you and tell them what you're going to do. And hopefully you're going to make it right.
Thanks for sharing that, Frank, because there's so many operators out there that believe they need to spend tens of thousands of dollars on traditional advertising and marketing when if they just took your approach and built relationships with their guests and treated them the way they would hope to be treated, then that is the world's best marketing. And that word spreads fast. And if you can, I've always believed service is the biggest competitive advantage, you know, treating every guest as if they were the most important guest, no matter what happens whether you serve 500 people a night or 10 people, treating everyone the same and giving them that experience. And when we fall short, making it right. There's nothing more powerful yeah. than that. Thank you, Rod. I don't know why that's not so obvious to so many operators. I agree. They spend thousands of dollars to get new mm-hmm. customers, and then they're chasing away. They're all, you know, right. the people in the the mo- Your most important customer is the one in the building right now. Your most recent customers is who you emphasize and make them happy and they're going to go out and tell 10 people and they're going to come back and i'm sort of not glad but i'm glad most people don't understand that because it's a benefit to your business i know so, exactly you know so when it people sets you do apart. have a bad experience i don't like it but uh you know somewhere else it benefits me a little bit so i'm going to be a little selfish there and i i don't you know i I'll, you know i'll never knock another restaurant and I won't make it obvious, but when I hear a story, especially, you know, a rest, like a chain restaurant, I love oh, yeah. to hear bad stories about uh-huh. chain restaurants. Right. Right. I don't want to hear anything about my friends or about the local guy struggling, but I love to hear a nightmare story about a chain restaurant because there shouldn't be chain restaurants. They should, they should go do something else and let us, let us make a living, let us right. make a good right. living and take care of our friends and neighbors. Well, Frank, you know, there's been over 100,000 restaurants that have closed and those that are still standing that have made it so far through this pandemic, even though we continue to have these challenges, you got to give them a lot of credit for being, you know, tenacious and sticking through it. And yes, passion has a lot to do with it. And, you know, there's a lot on the line, but what's your best advice to those that are still standing to get through the other side and just continue to improve their business? Well, again, first of all, I feel so bad for there was so many just started up and uh, in Kingston, you know, I can think of six or eight that clothe that people, they're hard. They worked hard all their lives and put everything into it. And, you know, people have no idea what a business is, uh, your investment, your time, your heart, your soul and to lose that. So I really sympathize. And I've always I still do. I go around Kingston. There's not many left, but there's if there's an independent gas station, that's who I buy gas from. I won't go to Subway. If I want a sub sandwich, I'll go to the local guy, the guy that's working hard. But Support my local. advice is just take care of your customer, work hard. Uh, simple as that. When the best customer is the one that's in the building. Mm. Get to know them, recognize them, make them feel welcome, invite him back. There's an old story I tell all of my customers and uh, excuse me, all of my staff. Yeah. Tip O'Neill. I read Tip O'Neill's book. I'm sure you're familiar with Tip O'Neill. I am familiar. I, I grew up in Massachusetts, so okay. I know Tip O'Neill. So anyway, Tip O'Neill, I'm sure a lot of younger people yeah. wrote a book and his first election he lost. Nobody's more friendly than him and gregarious and well-liked. And he lost his, it was like city council or something. And he went to a neighbor, an Irish neighborhood of Cork. And he said, Mrs. O'Reilly, I lost only by 12 votes. 
I know you voted for me. He said, no, I didn't, Tom. His name was Thomas. No, I didn't, Thomas. You didn't vote for me. You, you and my mother are best friends. You changed my diaper. I lived next door to you all these years. Why didn't you vote for me? He said, you never asked me to. He took it for granted. So I tell everybody, like if I, on the street or something, recently I was, I was in a casino. My wife and I took a ride. And there was a guy who I hadn't seen and uh, shook his hand. How you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And I said, come down and see us. Just simple as that. Come and visit us. Uh, you got to ask people too, like servers. I always say, welcome them back. Say, I'm here Friday. A bartender, if you work Friday and Saturday, say, come on back and see me. Something as simple as that is obvious in that come and visit me again. And that's something that we can do. And that's what these smaller places should do. Let them know they're welcome and invite them back. There you go. I think, uh, I think you summed it up right there. I learned a long time ago, Frank, you don't ask, you don't get. <laughs> yep. Well, this has been entirely my pleasure. And we are very fortunate to glean all the information and the nuggets of great operating uh, advice you've given us. This has been just a huge pleasure talking to you, Frank. And we wish you the best of success in the future and your son, Mark, and the long legacy that you're leaving behind with these great restaurants. So thanks again for being on the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. Thank you, Roger. Pleasure. Talk to you soon, I hope. Thank you. Oh, absolutely. We'll keep in touch. And I look forward to reading your book as well. Definitely. Thank you. That was the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. Thanks so much to our audience for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Wow, everyone. We can certainly all take a page out of Frank Guido's book on how to run restaurants, how to give back to the community, how to serve you know, the public at large, and how to deliver what we call true hospitality. That is really the foundation of our business. You know, I learned a long time ago that hospitality is absent when something happens to a guest. Hospitality is present when something happens for the guest. You can see the huge difference in how important that is to your everyday operation. We have a turnkey system that teaches the basics of hospitality and delivers amazing dining experiences to customers and holds regular pre-shift meetings that gives your staff a strategy and product and restaurant knowledge and, you know, interactive tools that help them deliver their unique personalities to their guests that really build your business as well as teaching them salesmanship skills because sales are the lifeblood of your business. All these things are important. But to keep a great staff, you need a recognition and rewards program as well. And that's what I call building the dream team. Well, all of these concepts and templates are all in a package, a turnkey system called Sales Stars. And it's available at restaurantrockstars.com. So why not check out our Sales Stars page? There's a quick video there that explains what it is and how it works. And uh, it's been proven in restaurants literally all over the world and in multiple countries that are using this program. And again, it's all about delivering those amazing dining experiences and keeping your good people happy and building that dream team. So check it out at restaurantrockstars.com. Thanks again to our sponsors, Seven Shifts, the all-in-one labor management platform, and Cisco. Thanks so much, Frank Guido, for being a terrific guest. And please remember, why not ask us a question? Go to the show notes for this episode, scroll down past the video and the audio versions of the program, and you'll see a button that says, ask us anything. And you literally can. You can press the button, record a a message to me. I'll answer that message. And chances are I might even 
play it on the uh, on the air in one of the upcoming episodes for the audience to hear. So thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next episode. Stay well, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. For lots of great resources, head over to restaurantrockstars.com. See you next time.